wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Toronto Till I Die, uh, the podcast that is for Toronto FC fans talking the highs and lows of our beloved Toronto Football Club. On this episode, we discuss the pitiful end of the 2022 Toronto FC season and ask what really went wrong uh, this season. We also start our first round of player grades and play should he stay or should he go? And we take a few of your player ratings and grades for the end of the 2022 season. Uh, That's all on Toronto Till I Die today. Lots to talk about, so let's get into it with my co-hosts, Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael saying, Boys, how was your turkey weekend? I'm stuffed. How about you, boys? So much turkey. (laughs) Honestly, I got to give a little shout out to my girlfriend. Great, great turkey Thanksgiving dinner she made. Um, Yeah, I guess while we're on the topic, just thankful that 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 season is uh, (laughs) (laughs) shift our focus. Everybody was given thanks on Sunday. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I I actually didn't do any turkey, but I I am stuffed. I I managed to eat an entire medium pizza to myself last night. So I feel, yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel like an idiot. That was a poor life choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very poor life choice. I apologize in advance for whatever fan noise uh, comes out. But uh, surprise, I'm in a basement. So, I mean, there's only so much you can do to alleviate the fan noise. And I ain't turning it off because you could, you'll watch me melt into a Jeff-sized puddle over the over the hour. It's okay, man. Nobody wants a, a sweaty Jeff. Uh, mm, so of all me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Yeah, no, I'm uh, good. I, I did, uh, my, my wife did mac and cheese at an awesome mac and cheese. So I didn't do turkey either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got that good mac and cheese, which uh, which fills you up for sure. Um, Are you a right. turkey fan, Mike? Because I'm no, not really a turkey I'm not, fan. No, yeah. I'm not. Not yeah. really, man. Like it's too dry. Um, all you know. Oh, thankful for my mother. Thankful for my mother, but she never made it moist and really nice. It was always dry um, and ashy. <laughs> And like everybody's like, oh, you got leftovers and put them in a sandwich. And I'm like, I no, 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 no. I I mean, I, I the myth of a of a of a not dry turkey is is enticing to me, but I've I've never even come close. So no. yeah, maybe we all got to go to Mikey Singh's place for Thanksgiving next. Exactly. Year. Yeah, you guys yeah. you guys aren't doing it right, man. <laughs> no, no, clearly not, because people love it. Um, but yeah. no, I'm not I'm not about that turkey life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let's be real here. Uh, neither were Toronto FC because, boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? Um, because, I mean, I, I don't think Sunday was a complete shock to anybody who's been watching this team throughout 2022. But, I mean, it was, uh, if you're going to go out, that's not the way you necessarily want to ring 100%. Out your, your 2022. Um, so I'll just start with, you know, what? What went wrong? We could talk about the season, but let's actually sort of break this down a little bit and talk about what went wrong during the final stretch here because, you know, the vibes were good going into September and then the wheels kind of fell off in a lot of ways. Um, so what what do you think happened? I'll just leave it as plain as that. 
yeah. what didn't happen. I mean, I think there there's a million bad answers to that one question, and and they're all, you know, they're all sort of uh, the same side of the coin, right? It's it's, you know, momentum works both ways, right? And we saw it work in reverse over this last stretch of the season, you know, just this like snowball effect of badness, you know, injuries compounded with with you know, losses piling up, compounded with, uh, et cetera, you know, ad infinitum. And then it just, it, it created this whimper, you know, we went out with a whimper, uh, is the, is probably the best way I could put it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, just to sum it up, TFC were hoping to go on a run at the end of the uh, end of the season. Um, they brought in guys who I think would form up a pretty solid starting eleven. I would say one of the better starting 11s in Major League Soccer. And we actually never saw that take place over the course of the whole season as various injuries began to pile up. Obviously, Mark Anthony came missed six weeks. And then you had Jonathan Osorio, who couldn't find his way into the 11. Um, Lorenzo Insigne was dealing with a lot of personal issues. And, and obviously, at the end there, he wasn't in the lineup. So, like, there was there's different moments of the of this last stretch where TFC were missing pieces. And the reality was with the lack of depth on this roster, mm-hmm. if you were missing a piece or two, it hurt you a lot more uh, than other teams because you didn't have the depth that could step up and take those, those pieces spots. And namely Jonathan Osorio is a big one uh, yep. because I, I was doing some research uh, for something else I'm working on and Osorio not being in the lineup for Toronto FC this year. Toronto FC's record, one win, one draw, nine losses. They took four out of a possible 33 points when Jonathan Osorio was not on the pitch for this team this year. Damn. So when you have, when you're relying on pieces like that and they're not healthy, it just, it's not going to work. So uh, that's the best way I can sum up kind of what happened. Yeah, Mike, and look, I, I get that, and I think a lot of people get that. But I guess, you know, if I can counter that, because I, I, I get it, we didn't have our starting 11, our first choice starting 11 all season, right? It wasn't, we never saw them on the pitch all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm always going to come back to this idea that I, I don't know if any team in the league has always had their starting ideal 11 on the pitch and yet many teams find ways to still be competitive in this league and still be respectable. Like, look, like the, this the last stretch has been not respectable for this club. It hasn't been. And I, and, and it does not, does that not speak to how this team this year has been built and whether or not there should be some questions around how this team went about is this rebuild because it's a rebuild and we all recognize that. But is the, was there a better way to maybe go about this rebuild and maybe not tear everything down as quickly at the beginning of the year so that you left yourself so barren in depth come the final stretch of the season? Um, first, Graham Reed, I, I don't have power to put the quotes up, but before we move on, I mean, he's got a point, and that is three of our top players came into the season and they had already played a full season in Italy. They were gassed. I think it's important to to note that. Um, and that's 
that's the peculiarities of MLS and our transfer windows being at odds with other transfer windows and when we can get the the elite players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, my friend Gavin, who I'm probably seeing later today, I, I disagree with his point, which is once you don't make postseason, there's nothing to play for. Lost interest and tried different players in different roles. It'll help us in the long run. I mean, we hurt ourselves in the long run, regardless of like the vibes around the club going into this offseason are as bad as they've been. You know, the, the, the little that little bump in the summertime is sort of dissipated. I mean, if you look at the Bob Bradley comments, like what did he what did every single article say that he that he said, I need a stiff drink? I mean, that that isn't a happy that isn't a happy gaffer. So, yeah. you know, like, that. but we could have we could have. You know, just to Gavin's point, like nothing to play for. You play for pride and you play for vibes and motivation going into the offseason. Even if you're not making the playoffs, you don't want to end on this a sour note such as we've managed to end on. So I do dispute the point that like there was absolutely nothing to play for. And in terms of, you know, making something of this campaign, I would even take issue with that because the way you go out is as important as how you come in. And, and we didn't exactly, we're not exactly leaving on the best. We're not leaving the pitch. We're, we didn't leave everything out on the pitch to use the old axiom, you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to comb the con circling back to, to Mike's like original point there, the way the team was torn down and, and rebuilt. Let's look like we've said, we have said this so many times uh, on this show in particular, and it's that Toronto FC this year we're playing with house money. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it does leave a sour taste in your mouth, especially down the stretch here, where, as Mike pointed out correctly, they, they were demoralizing towards the fan base in terms of just the way that they were playing and the, the results and the way that they were finding ways to lose. Um just in so many different ways, just not good enough from just a sheer competitive standpoint. That being said, it's not like what's the old adage, like Rome isn't built in a day. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if we are starting this, tearing this down and starting it from scratch, I think it's a little unrealistic uh, for us to expect that the team turns it around in one season. When you are, what, 22, 23 players were sent out the door. Now we can question whether or not that was right or not. Well, for see, the that's team to my do that. question, right? Mm -hmm. um, and look, like, there's so many moving parts to that. Like, is there any move in particular that you were questioning in terms well, of what what who they should have kept instead of sending them out? Well, I think there are there are some like for example, again, I'll look at somebody like Mark Delgado and I'll ask. Did you really need to send him away? Now, of course, he could have asked for a personal reason. Yeah, if he if he didn't want to be for here, sure. it that's doesn't matter. Thing. You know, like, that's yeah. one thing that's, for sure. Yeah. But if yeah. he, if he asked to move, that's one thing. But if you had an opportunity to keep him and convince him to stay, then could not that have happened? You know, I, I do look. I know people have mixed feelings on Aro Junior. I wonder again if that's a situation where you keep him for some defensive solidity and you use Jimmy Keel Marshall ready more as a winger this year. Yes. I know wingers were coming and he was going to lose his spot mid season, but in the end, he almost lost his spot anyway. Um, you know, so, you know, from that perspective and at that time, of course, you don't know you're going to get Richie Larea back. Right. Mm -hmm. 
we, we can all talk about this in hindsight and say like, oh yeah, well, we ended up getting Richie at right back. Well, you didn't know that going into the start of this season. So it all, it, it, I know you're saying they played with house money, but it felt like a really big gamble to start the year with so many young players. And some of it was in their control, I understand, and some of it wasn't. But I feel like they're, you you paid for a lack of veteran depth on the team. For sure. And made the mountain so large for when those players got here in the in the January in the sorry July transfer window. And we talked about it. We talked about it. We, we we telegraphed it. it. Yeah. yeah we like, telegraphed we, it saying like yeah. look they, they're gonna come and they're gonna give a boost, but is it too already too big a hole for them to dig out of? And I mm-hmm. know it's a rebuild and the idea is that Rome isn't built in a day, but Rome was built on pretty steady pillars. And I wonder if we're right now got the right pillars in place to build Rome. If, if you can understand where I'm going with that. I, I, I 100%. You. 100%. Um, what, yeah, what I'll say is like Aro and Mark Delgado, um, they were not shipped out because TFC didn't see them as serviceable mm-hmm. pieces on the roster. Um, those were, I mean, I've, I've talked about RO at length already on this yeah, show. They didn't want to be here. RO, yeah, more than that, it, it wasn't showing up to, to training. And when he did, he was half assing it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you want a veteran, what that eliminates 50% of having a veteran presence to, you know, you said enough, yourself, Mike, enough, like yeah. to have one of our kids be an understudy. I'd rather they talk to their imaginary friend than a guy that's half assing it in training, right? Like, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, like I just said, we telegraph this. And I think that's why it's so frustrating is because we saw the brick wall that we were heading towards in the horizon, you know, months ago. And we knew it was coming and we allowed ourselves to get swept up in the faff, you know, oh, no, 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 no. False dawn here, false dawn there. But we knew it was coming. And and I think the thing that frustrates me more than anything else is that, and I, I'm sure Mike Singh agrees with me, is that, you know, it's not a question about this season. It's a question about the last three or four when we're talking about this rebuild because we we waited too long and made and, and really made this bed where we would have to clean house like this, whether it was Bob Bradley or, or Gaffer X. Uh, we allowed things to fester and metastasize that, you know, instead of doing it slowly and carefully, it became an all or nothing proposition this year, exacerbated by our performances last year and the revolving door of coaches that we had. So, you know, in a way, it's it's frustration from the fan base. It's frustration from the three of us because it's all just coalesced into this. But with respect to this season, I mean, you we can't look at each other and say we didn't know this was going to happen, which is why it's such a weird frustration to have. Because, yeah, it's totally frustrating, but it's not like we didn't see it coming from a mile away. No, but you can Here's understand the- where fans come from with – the idea that they were starting to make a run right like yeah hope is hope is sometimes the best elixir in the in the worst poison right in terms mm. of it you saw what this team could be and it it sort of peaked and then it just collapsed and fell apart right and i want to introduce this quote here from uh john molinaro's article this weekend uh from tfc republic just on not just the philly game um but overall and and just talking about And I'll quote, although they were missing several key starters due to injuries and suspensions, that that shouldn't be used as an excuse. And this poor outing should raise more questions about the mental fortitude of this team. 
100 percent. you're talking to somebody who has watched a lot of toronto fc football and seen a lot of iterations of this club mm -hmm. saying that um i again it just it, it leaves me in a sort of perplexed perplexed state where i know this team can be really good if they have a really good off season this season but the way that they ended the year it it that's the that's the final impression people will have of this 100 percent. that's what i've been we got all these guys the yeah. and they and it fell apart at the end and, and that's the vibes like in the no, locker room like yeah it looked like no one bad. Did shit at the end yeah right and, that, and it's that's bad tough. that's tough and i mean so we're forced to play the kids again uh in almost like a weird bizarro world version of the opening of the season right and it's the same result you know you've got the kids out there with some veterans and it's like no you know aside from Jaden nelson who i think is a is an is an, ex, an exception to this rule you know they look just as bad out there against philadelphia in the last game of the season as we did against red bulls in this in the season opener that's not good you know what i mean that points to systemic failures both in terms of their talent level their ceiling and in terms of their training, there's no, I mean, there's no other way to read it. We, we keep saying, you know, if you give these young kids an opportunity, they, they'll take it. Well, they've had myriad opportunities now, both good and bad, all shades of opportunities, including this little run at the end when apparently we had nothing to play for. And they towed the line. Like, I expect more out of the academy kids. Anytime they get minutes on the pitch, I want to see them leave it all on the pitch. You know, not take cues from the exhausted Michael Bradleys or Chris Mavingas of, of, of the clubhouse. This is them in the shop window. And, and if that message isn't even being communicated and if that motivation isn't even happening, it speaks volumes to what's going on behind the scenes. Right. At least it does to me. And it's not good. I guess here's where I am. And in terms of this this season, what my biggest concern is, is heading into this offseason is that. Um, once again, while I think the objective was to find more answers than questions heading into this offseason, I think we have more questions than answers than than the team would have liked to. And I think that we are going to see plenty of roster turnover Sure. once again for the second straight year. Now, that being said, TFC have a lot more flexibility heading into this offseason in terms of the fact that they now have room to go out and add legitimate veterans as opposed to being forced to essentially play the kids as they mm -hmm. work through their rebuild, right? So it's a it's a different light at the end of the tunnel um, that lights a little bit closer than it was heading into last off season. So you know a lot of the heavy lifting has been done, but that being said, there's still plenty of work that needs to be done to transform this roster. And I think there's pieces on this roster that the team thought would be long term pieces. That are bye bye. end up being yeah. long term pieces, and that's so, and uh, that's yeah. Sorry, sorry to interject. Finish your thought. No, no, no. Go ahead. I I think that that's why I take issue with how you open by saying there's more questions than answers. If we're brave enough to see the writing on the wall, I think we've answered a lot of questions, especially with the kids. And it's a disappointing answer. And I I think that it's we're laughing stock if we're still asking questions about the kids and their performances they've had their opportunities um it's time to clean house they've had their opportunities you know it, it, why didn't if we had seen something from and i don't want to name names but like we didn't see anything from them at the outset we saw very little from them during the middle 
And we saw even less of them at the end when they got even more minutes. You know, that's three strikes, you're out, right? Like, how much more yeah, opportunities are we giving? I'm not these? even talking about... I think the kids are the least of Toronto SC's problem yeah. right now. As, as, long as, we, as long as we are firm with what this season has taught us and close the book on that experiment and maybe open the floor for the next crop of academy kids but it, or maybe it wasn't cool an ex- on, on the academy experiment it was more it was out of necessity right it wasn't an experiment it wasn't like okay we're going to be Re- successful by playing the kids sure sure right? sure that but, wasn't their objective we did but we did play the kids they were on the pitch for minutes we had to well, right? regardless regardless of what incited it regardless of what necessitated it you now have a minute book full of uh, uh, performance ratings, and they don't bode very well for these guys. Well, I think, you know what Jeff, I mean? what, you, what you learned from the kids is who can be useful pieces down the road in terms of, like, not starters, necessarily. Um, but I think you found a few players who can play a role off the bench for you for now. 100%. Um, and then look, and, and look, again, that's the thing with young players, is they can go into an offseason, and if they work if they put the work in, you, they can come back and be 10 times better than we saw this season, right? Jaden Nelson's yeah. literally still growing. So yeah. is Jaden Nelson is, is not my problem. Jaquille Marshall Ruddy is 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 very much on the on the cusp for me. I'm talking about the Kosi Thompsons. I'm talking about the DeAndre Kerrs. I'm talking about the Noble Okellos. I think I've seen enough from these guys to, that I don't, I mean, we opened the show we saw saying, four games out of Noble this year. Well, we saw, I saw, listen, four games, 40 games. At the end of the day, we opened the show saying we don't have the depth. We can't keep giving bench positions to guys that can't hack it. But, depth or other okay, there's, thir- there's 30 piece, well, like 30 roster spots, right? Sure. It, no, that, those are kids 25 to 30 that you're talking about here, essentially, that typically in a normal year don't see very many minutes yeah they won't even so, see a thousand minutes probably i don't season. think you you have to i don't think the kids are the, the biggest issue here when we're talking about this toronto so then can i ask what would be bob bradley and bill manning's biggest off-season agenda items here what are the what are the things that yeah, they need question. to really focus on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good question um biggest one for me of course is jonathan osorio uh, getting his contract sorted. What's going to be happening with Jonathan Osorio and his future here at Toronto FC? The second question for me would be uh, what's going to happen with that third designated player spot? Uh, how do they decide to use that? And the third biggest question for me is how the heck does this team shore up their defense? Because mm-hmm. back-to-back seasons conceding 66 goals is just Not straight up unacceptable, especially... Unacceptable at the beginning of the year when you come out and you say that you want to address this team's defensive woes and that does not happen that that's a failure in my opinion so uh those are three main issues i think this team needs to go out and address and listen there's a lot more bigger questions uh than just those three i'd say yeah i i'm inclined to agree with you Oso is is number one on the priority list figuring out what's going on with with Oso. uh all the other dominoes fall based on on what happens there. That being said, um, there are two things that can be addressed independent of Oso, although then budget and, and roster rules start to play, and that's goalkeeper and center back. Uh, we need at least one center back, and I think we need two. a straight. Okay, pro- I said at least one, but yeah, let's go for two. And I, I think uh, we probably need two new keepers, if I'm being honest. 
just just for for you know oh we'll shipping. get to that for yeah. sure for sure we got our grading systems up so we will be grading the yeah. goalkeepers and defenders a little bit later but i mean matt matt doyle says he'll like matt, matt doyle at the mls mothership is prepared to ride or die with Jimenez and uh io Akinola for one more year he says tfc doesn't need to address the the number nine position Mm, I, yeah, I, I don't do. know about that. I, I mean, don't think you need a, I don't think you need a designated player to necessarily fill the role, but I think you do need to address another striker. Now. Yeah. I, I think if the, if you, if the market, you know, and produces another kind of insigne sort of situation for a number nine and you have that free DP spot, you probably go for it with, you know, bells on, but certainly uh, I think goalkeeping and, and, and center back, you know, central defense is the, is the biggest issue following whatever happens with Jonathan Osorio. For sure. I think obviously Oso is the biggest one because, as you said, it's the domino that will kind of the thread that will make everything else sort of put fit together. The puzzle mm-hmm. piece will make everything fit together. Probably better analogy that saying it that way. But I also think that uh, outside of that, just general depth, especially in the midfield, I think is incredibly important. You know, Michael, you just brought up the stat about Jonathan Osorio being out of games and how important he is. Well, if you have somebody who can maybe not necessarily be exactly Jonathan Osorio, but can provide you serviceable minutes and kind of fill some of the the same roles and responsibilities that Jonathan Osorio can do, then you're in a much better position. Then you are in a in for a playoff spot in a shout. You may not be shield contenders, but you're in there with a shout for a playoff spot. So I think they really need to focus on the overall depth of the squad. Yes, of course, the the third DP is going to be incredibly important. But I almost think filling that out is almost more important. In fact, I would be fine waiting a little bit, even if they went into the season without the third DP. No not way. Going to. No, not ever but again. But I think that, I, look, I'd be fine with for... that. Because I, I, honestly... It's I, the right player. Exactly. I, I would rather wait for the right player and wait till July, into July if we have to, than necessarily fill it for the sake of filling this um, position. Man, I, I I really think we need to we need to go in guns blazing come the beginning of the season. I'm I'm aware of the of the peculiarities and the and the transfer the summer transfer window, but we saw what it did to us this outgoing season. I, I would love to eliminate that variable. And I, I think there's quite a few people in TFC land that agree with me. You know, all of, things being equal. All out of frustration, equal. sure. Like, just the fact that the way that we ended the season, mm-hmm. sure. But if the right player means waiting until the summer, then I think you... You're not going to get an have, argument out of me. But you have, uh, you know, it's, it's a DP, all, right? You have to get it right. You can't equal, commit five years. Not. I would rather not. All Agreed. Things. In a perfect world, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think TFC are going to try and do that. But I, what I also want to add is, do we have to temper our expectations a little bit in terms of what caliber designated player Toronto FC are going to be bringing in as their third designated player? Because we know this team has spent a lot of money on Insigne. We know this team has spent a lot of money on Bernadeschi. I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto FC already have the highest payroll in Major League Soccer. They do have the highest payroll in Major League Soccer. I'm pretty sure. I mean, the the numbers weren't. The numbers for the summer were not formally publicized yet. I'm not sure why, but do we have to temper our expectations in terms of the the caliber of names and the amount it's going to cost TFC? Yeah, again, I I think that's it, it plays into my comment about waiting until July because. Or 
if you can find the right player and the right player becomes available in July, then you might be willing, the board might be willing to spend the money, right? If it's, if it's one of those situations where you found the perfect fit that dare I say, Victor Vasquez piece that is going to make you that team. Of course, I know Victor Vasquez was a TAM player and, and that was different, but would have been a DP in a normal situation. hundred percent would have been a DP in a normal situation. Whole algorithm right? up Victor Vasquez. I mean, exactly. But if yeah, you find yeah. that piece and that, and, and look, you got to pay, say 10 million for that player and you got to wait till July to get them. Then I think the board would be willing to spend that money. But if it's again in a panic situation, not a pa- oh, yeah, panic. I mean, situation. it is a panic situation, kind in, of. In all respects, if it's a panic situation, and and you're going to say South America to find your next DP, let's just say, then maybe you do have to temper your expectation in, in that regard. But I, uh, to me, I think TFC should take the time, be patient to find that third DP because, like you said, Mike, you can't miss this DP. Can't miss. You can't have another Soteldo, right? You, you just can't. So I think you I think you take the time and look if if you got to spend the money to get that third DP but it makes you a shield contender and a perennial cup contender then you go and spend the money and what you do in the meantime is fill out the bones of this team because For you sure. can be a playoff contender with Insigne Bernadeschi Jimenez up top and a really strong core around and a really strong core of MLS vets and some international signings sprinkled in right? You use that third DP to push you over the top, if that makes sense. Alex makes a good point. The rumor of the four DP slots, which is the opposite direction that I thought MLS was going to go. But I mean, it's MLS. So of course, they're going to go in the opposite direction that, that I go. If we get four DPs and we don't make Oso one of them, this club stinks. That's that's number one. I mean, the man deserves money. We've sung his praises for... You know my stance on this. Dude, just so pay the man. Just pay I the man. Why don't we get someone just like him? Why don't we just pay the man and keep him? You know, he's a, he's a TFC lifer. Uh, that, that, again, precludes... If he wants to go to Europe, he's going to Europe. We're not standing in his way. That The, the TFC lifer and the, and the respect from the fan base goes both ways. Um, yeah, I mean, you're seeing it in the comments. This The, the idea of... Let's go and get Al Magnifico and plaster his face all over billboards. And then it's a rebuild year. Let's temper expectations is the equivalent of giving your fan base whiplash. And I think that we're suffering from that, (laughs) even though we've tried to distance ourselves from it and be as pragmatic and as even keeled as possible. We're still all frustrated right now. So, yeah, like it's there's no such thing as a stupid question, but it's it feels it's whiplash. It, It like. This club needs to figure out, are we a big club? Are we a rebuilding club? You know, and and because uh, I don't know if you can be both. And I don't know um, if the fan base can take another year like the one we just had, which is Absolutely why I'm so aghast at the no idea one... of, you know, waiting until July for another big ticket name. And that has to dig ourselves out of a hole. Um let, let me stop you, know, you there. Yeah. You said big yeah. ticket name. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is I don't think there's going to be another big ticket name coming to this club because they've already spent uh, so much money on Insigne and Bernadeschi. Sure. I don't think it has to be a big ticket name. I think it needs to be the right player. 
right? If it's a big ticket name, great. But if it's not, yeah, it's not going to be Howard. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure he's settled at at City right now. But no, but but I mean, I'm talking about you need to find the right player. If the right player happens to be a big name, great. If it ends up being a guy from Palmeiras that makes sense and fits what you need to do, then fine as well. But I'd rather the team wait to get that player. If that player is not available in January, right? The January window opens, they're not available, but that's the guy. And you know, you know, for sure, that's the guy, but you got to wait till July. You got to wait till July. Like I, I'm, I'm not about going and doing another Salcedo deal. Cause that's, that's what we got, right? We went and we filled the need. Now I get it, it was to get Soteldo off the books. But it was also because we shipped a ton of goals last off last season as well. And and the idea of a DP center back who's multilingual with experience in Liga MX and is a national team player checked off a lot of boxes. You know, on paper, Salcedo felt like a slam dunk for this. Hey, club. I would say Carlos Salcedo would have looked very nice adding to that Toronto FC team that was playing from August to, to middle mm-hmm. of September. I agree. Would, I think there a lot of people in front nice of him were not playing team. well. Right. Yeah, like, and, and, and here's my, my issue with the Vasquez comparison for a number nine, right? We're not talking about a guy who's a playmaker, uh, you know, operating between the lines. We're talking about a guy who's very, very dependent on chemistry, uh, especially in Bradley's preferred system. Uh, we're talking about a guy that you're going to have to blood with the Bernas and the, and the Insignes. You know, any time that you delay that, is potential like I'm just thinking about Jimenez and his and his run of form before the Italians arrived, right? It was like night and day. So it, it you know, you're moving pieces. What what is it? You're trying to build the boat while you're while you're cruise while you're on cruise. You know, you're going to sink, right? Like you can't. You obviously have to have a ship a ship that's seaworthy. You can't be plugging. You know, you can't be building it while you're while you're cresting the waves. And it, it kind of feels like that's what we're doing. And then going well, whoops, it didn't work out. Like you you want to have all your pieces in place going into the next season. If anything, just to eliminate the variables that we've been discussing till the death this season, you know, like, well, wait until this happens or wait until that happens. In a perfect world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone's disagreeing with you. No, no, in a perfect world. That's what you would like to do. But the reality is every player is different in terms of your targets, like contract negotiations, whether or not his contract's up or not. Like every there's so many moving parts to that. So mm-hmm. ideally, yes, I think anyone would tell you that they would like to have them in at the start of the season. I'm saying I, I would say if it is the right player and you need to wait until July, you wait because you've targeted that player and I'm sure it'll be one that there's a reason the team would like to wait for. So there is yeah. always that cost. So if it's worth waiting, then you wait. But yeah, and I'll, there's other parts sorry. to this. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. There's other parts of this. There's the roster depth that we've talked about. If Toronto FC bring in MLS caliber players to fill out their their bench, we have the ability to stay patient for that third DP spot, yes. right? Because it's no longer going to be this team that we saw at the end of the year. It'll be a completely new look team that'll be much stronger. And I mm-hmm. think along with Insigne and Bernadeschi already with this team from the start, add in Mark Anthony K, who's healthy, Richie, who'll be there. I mean, you have all of those guys that can win you matches between what the season start end of February till um, July till 1st. July first. Yeah, 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 July first, right? So 
that's why I feel a little bit more confident waiting if you have to. But that being said, ideally in a perfect world, yeah, I agree with you. You want them in from the start. Of course. Yeah. And, the, and yeah. sort of the last point is before we go into our grading is, is listen, like we've seen that if you target the right DPs, we just saw it in this season, they can come in and make immediate impact. They don't need a ton of time to get settled in, embedded in, and figure out how to play with the team. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. they will they will figure it out for the most part. And Generally if anything, speaking. they could be an added boost to like that halfway point where you know TFC went on that run when Insigne and Bernardeschi got inserted into the eleven. Inserting a big splash like that halfway through the year could just be that boost to the legs that this team needs to get over to that that this next is, level, is, right? This is feeling like the same kind of rose-colored glasses that we just dispelled by this woeful campaign. But, it's but there's a big difference. It, there's a massive there's a difference. difference. There's a ma- and the you massive got- difference is, is that you've built the bones of the team with MLS veterans and proper veterans in the team, whereas you don't have a team full of kids and Jesus Jimenez and Pozuelo, right? Like it, that. That's the <sighs> difference to me in sort of thinking about the season as two halves, right? This mm-hmm. first half of the season up until the transfer window in the second. Because in a lot of ways, you need to think of, you even probably break it down into thirds. But yeah, if you think it in halves, you're going to have a much stronger team that should be able to compete and really keep yourself in the playoff hunt and not be like 10 points back or seven points back at the break or at the at the transfer window compared to what we had this year, which was we were already said they were done by the time they splashed Insigne out in Little Italy. On paper, if you were to ask me, and I'm trying to forget my generalized frustration, anxiety with with TFC right now, but on paper, if you had asked me, would you prefer young, athletic, speedy, pacey academy kids to blood into Bob Bradley's preferred system or MLS veterans? that maybe played, you know, for Portland as a counterattacking team now being asked to come in and be a ball carrying, you know, possession heavy team. I would choose the former 10 out of 10 times and we've just seen what the former is. So I am just as wary of, you know, just the general magic unicorn MLS vets as I was of the general magic unicorn academy kids blooding into this situation you know and 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 yeah yeah tfc have extra international roster spots too so when we say mls vets i just mean players who can actually play in mls not necessarily vets just people who are 26 27 like older people i feel players and even quality players right we've seen so many times the, the needle is moving in terms of what a tam player and what a dp player is in this league sure so as that continues to move the better quality players you can bring in to be depth pieces. And I think that's an area that I think TFC with their recruitment can take advantage of. I, think I am talking about MLS players, of. by the way, for the most part. Like, I, I you will sign players internationally. That, that cool but I am talking thin. about MLS. You're um, talking about a Drew, like, I mean, we're ta- if, are we talking about a Drew Moore or are we talking about a Nick Deleon? Well, hey, look, if you can go get yourself a Drew Moore that helps you win a cup, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. th- and those players exist in MLS. They this do. Idea, I mean, Yvonne just said Aaron Long. Like, let's, let's throw a ton of money at Aaron help Long. you win championships yeah. is nonsense, right? Like, the top three teams in the Eastern Conference are mainly built on MLS players, right? And some really smart international scouting. Sure. Without sure. having to necessarily break the bank on DP players. You can call it an anomaly if you'd like. But the trends tell you that teams that build themselves properly like that tend to make the playoffs more often than they don't. 
100%. So, so that's where I'm coming from in terms of, uh, you know, finding those type of players. And I think we should transition sure. with that into player grades because then you could start thinking about who might fill some player spots that we Let's think may it. not stick around. Uh, um, shameless plug before we start our player yeah. grades. You all, everyone who's watching needs to go on Waking the Red and put in your shouts on the WTR awards that we just dropped today. Um, because eventually when the polls close, we're going to do a little special like we did last year on this show, uh, just about the, uh, the WTR awards. And, uh, that's all I'm going to say on that. Okay, perfect. So you heard it there first. Um, I'll, uh, we'll go through our grades. I will select a few that, uh, you all tweeted in to me, um, about your grades as well. I like the um, three words. Match up. Uh, we got a lot of responses as mm. well, which was really cool. Um, so boys, we'll keep it fairly short for each player. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you for three words to describe each Love of the positions part. for goalkeeper and defender. And then I'm going to have, I'm going to go through each player and you give me a grade and a quick sort of a synopsis of what you thought their season was and whether you'd keep them or punt them. Okay. Mm. Make sense. Absolutely. Let's Perfect. go. Perfect. Let's All right. F and go. All right, so JPN, we'll start with you. Three words to describe the goalkeeping for Toronto FC this oh, season. Oh, oh, I thought it was one by one because I did it for each each. Player. Oh, okay. Well, you can use that as your player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for Bones, I wrote needs new challenge. Uh, for Westberg, I wrote maybe try coaching. And for Ranjit Singh, I wrote need some minutes. Okay. All right. And what uh, grade did you give each player? <laughs> uh, I didn't actually do a grade. I'll give Ranjit Singh a, a non-applicable or, or a no rating. Okay. A lot of people rate. gave him that too. Yeah. Uh, Westberg, what is this, out of 10, out of 5? No, just give him a letter grade. Mm. I'll give Westy a D, and I'll okay. give Bones a C-. minus. Okay. That's a little higher than most people would give Bones, or at least that's what I was seeing out there. Why a C- minus for, for Bones and a D for Westberg? Uh, a D for Westberg because he didn't play as many minutes and he was still prone to gaffes aplenty, uh, which may be a consequence of not playing uh, that many minutes, but he still gets a D because, you know, you want you want your number two to not be as porous as he was, unfortunately. Uh, Bones gets a C because somewhere in this year, he was having a career season and there were spurts of really excellent play, which made the wheels coming off during that stretch run all the more uh, depressing. But I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to give him a knee jerk F. I'm not going to give him, you know, a D minus, which is basically an F with a smiley face on it. I, I think a C minus is, is a fair assessment. It's still not a passing grade. He still flunked out of class. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Michael saying, uh, through it, just not good enough. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of grades, Q, I'm actually going to flip with Jeff. I'm going to give Q a C minus, and I'm going to give Bones a D. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Bones was Bones was one of the biggest reasons why this team started to falter. Uh, if you think back to Squid the wandering against Inter, Inter Miami, of course. Yep. Squid hands. Um, and yes. there was a number of examples of, of just terrible goals that I believe he let in. Uh, he, in my opinion, did not improve. Nope. Year over year. Um and didn't take his opportunity and ran with it. So Bones does not get the passing grade for me. Uh, Q Q battled injury uh for most of the year. There was a, a time where he actually came in and he took the starting role from Alex Bono 
and then went down injured and then lost the role. He also started off the year from, you know, from behind. So, and I thought when he came in, he was actually not, not terrible. I thought he made some actually really impressive saves. Um, and also some head scratchers, some, uh, some equally unimpressive gaffes, right? Not as bad as Bono, in my opinion. Not and as he's, much, yeah, not as many minutes, but yeah, it's neither here nor there. Yeah, even the goals that he led, I don't think they were as bad as the goals that Bono let up. Uh, they weren't as glaring, at least in my opinion. So mm-hmm. Q gets a C minus. Um, I don't think either goalie is back next season. Fair enough. Okay, and I assume Rajik Singh will also be an inconclusive for you or INC. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. No rating. Yeah. NR, that's no the rating. one. That's yeah, the no, one that's fair. Um, yeah. yeah, for me, um, in inconsistent squid hands are the three words I will use nice. uh, for goalkeepers. Um, both Westberg and Bono um, get D pluses for me. Wow. Um, and, and really, in the end of the day, um, neither is that distinguishable from the other in terms of their play this year. The one edge I will give to to Westberg is the team felt a lot, looked a lot more comfortable playing back to him. 100%. Uh, to, to him than to Bono. Um, but but that's been years now. But it, it's been a yeah. while. We all know what, what, we all know what, at this point, what Alex Bono as a goalkeeper is, right? And I, Man, and I everybody's calling uh, for uh, for Dave's head in the chat, eh? We, we need a new goalkeeping coach. They all, they all want him gone. Yeah, yeah, you know that that was a comment I also got quite a bit. Um, so we're not rating goalkeeper coaches uh, right Good. now, but Good. Um, Good. but I, it, I like it's being lost on on both mm-hmm. goalkeepers for me. Inconclusive for Ranjit Singh. Um, neither goalkeeper, in my opinion, should be back. I think one might stay uh, as a as a as a backup. Um, I got the feeling um, on one of them. I won't display that today. Uh, but, uh, if it were up to me, I know, I don't think either goalkeeper will be back. I love, I love Q as, I mean, I love bones, both of them as a person, but we're not talking about them as people right now. We're talking about being, being between the sticks for the club that we love. That's in crisis, proper crisis, uh, punt them both 100%. Give Ranjit Singh some minutes, uh, maybe at TFC two punt all three of them, huh? All three. Um, maybe TFC two for sure for Ranjit Singh. I think TFC two's got like 8,000. Yeah, yeah. Garvin right now they're drafted. Exactly. Um, so played the majority of the minutes for TFC two. Then clean house, free free locker rooms, free yeah. free lockers. There's three free lockers. Anybody can move around the clubhouse if they want. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Um, we'll move into the defenders. Uh, so uh, Jeff, I think you've got three words for each defender. So I'll let you uh, go ahead uh, and give those three words for each defender. Chung, where is he? Four question marks. <laughs> uh, McNaughton. Played himself undroppable. Uh, Richie, make move permanent. Uh, O'Neal, too many minutes. Crescido, stop father time. Uh, Donil, real bad luck. JMR, underlined in bold, not a fullback. Thompson, underlined in bold, move up field. And Petrasso, a capable understudy. You got something for Mavinga? Oh, I forgot Mavinga. Uh, Off the cuff. Time to go. Fair enough. Damn. Okay. I know. I know. So you got some letter grades for me uh, for each one of those guys? Uh, Chung is is an NR because he played. No, I'll, get, I'll give Chung a B minus. I like what I saw. I don't understand why he suddenly disappeared and was was shifted, you know, uh, uh, shipped off to TFC2. McNaughton, I'm going to give an A. 
maybe even an, an A. No, just an A. I, I forgot that an A minus is worse than an A. Richie gets an A plus, like a screaming A plus. Uh, Mavinga, I'm given a C, maybe a C minus. Uh, O'Neill, a C. Uh, Henry. I mean, what can you say? Like, what did he play? 13 garbage minutes? Like, let's give him a C minus. JMR, C. Thompson, C minus. Petrasso, B, B plus. And uh, Crescido? Crescido, let's give him an A. Proper A. Crescido gets an A. Okay, cool. So those are the letter grades from Jeffrey P. Nesker. Mr. Singh, Mm -hmm. you're up. Uh, Okay, I won't do the three words because I didn't really come up with three words for each of them. Um. But I like I like Jeff's, uh, Caden Chung. I'm gonna give Caden a. I'll give him a C plus, just because I think when he was signed here, no one really expected a Canadian Premier League player to step in in the way that he did, and I thought he did a good job while he got minutes. And then, as Jeff rightfully pointed out, just fell down the the, the pecking order when, of course, Crescito came in and also. Richie, and then lost a spot to Kosi Thompson, uh, who emerged as the team's right back for a little bit there. So, yeah, a C-plus for for Caden, just based on the fact that expectations were low to begin with. Um, Lucas McNaughton, um, I won't go as high as an A as, as Jeff did, because I thought um, he got exposed quite a bit this year. That being said, same thing with Caden. I did not expect him to get as many minutes as he did. He might have, I think he's finished second on the team in terms of defenders' minutes, which, Fantastic. again, if you told me that at the start of the year, I would have told you you're, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were times where he looked like the real deal. Uh, so I will give him a B. Plus. Uh, moving That's down the fair. line, Richie Larea. Richie Larea for me gets a B. Plus. Uh, oh, wow. I, thought he, I thought he started the year fantastically when he rejoined, but from the fifth, sixth game on, uh, plummeted down to earth just like the rest of the team so i i believe richie's ceiling is more so what we saw at the first five six games since fair. he joined fair and if he showed that through the whole stretch i would have given him an a but i don't think he did uh chris mavinga chris mavinga for me gets a d uh just not good enough this year mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways couldn't stay on the pitch i appreciate that he's obviously battling a lot and going through a lot in, in his goes personal life um, but I got to judge him based on his performances and what he's brought to the team. And at that price range and expectations, uh, just was not good enough in a lot of different ways this year. So for me, he gets a D, uh, Shane O'Neill, Shane O'Neill was the first three quarters of the year. I would have given Shane O'Neill an A minus. Wow. Uh, the last quarter of the year, I think he dropped down to earth a little bit and too many minutes. I'm going to give him a B. Uh, well, he's a, he was also battling some concussion stuff. Damn. So that part obviously affected him. So I'm going to give him a B. I think what he showed over the course of this whole season is probably what you're going to get out of Shane O'Neill during his time here. And I still do like the signing of O'Neill because he's a good MLS veteran. Um, moving down the line, uh, Crescito. Crescito for me gets an A. Uh, a lot of people were questioning his fitness his ability to to keep up with the pace of play in mls and i think he 
showed everybody that they were they were wrong to question him in any way <laughs> shape or form because he is he is the real deal i mean I, I'll, when, when when he's on the pitch i'll say he's the best left back in major league soccer and i know kai wagner is very very good and he's a lead he probably might even go to the premier league this year mm. but i still think crescito is the best left back in major league soccer when he's healthy and when tfc are are clicking on all cylinders so i'm going to give him an a uh, daniel henry yeah you like how do you not give him like a d or c minus um as much yep. as i love daniel came in as a true professional here at toronto fc but couldn't displace a guy like lucas mcnaughton for minutes and for me when you're not able to do that even when you're on the pitch you're not looking that great mm-hmm. um yeah it, he didn't take advantage of his opportunity here so uh for me he gets a I'll say C minus D plus. Um, Jaquil Marshall-Ruddy. Jaquil Marshall-Ruddy's value dropped this year, in my opinion. Uh, And I think that he, as a player and his attitude, his mentality, all of it encompassed, I believe he gets a C minus. Because maybe that's a little harsh, but... I think that there was an opportunity in front of him and he did not take it the way that I believe he could have. And I don't think he responded to some of the adversity that the way that a professional soccer player should. Uh, that being said, fair. I also don't think that TFC gave him that many favors or did him that many favors uh, to ensure that he does excel and gets set up for success. So that rings a so combination many yeah a combination of both things both sides uh i'm gonna go with a c minus for jaquil um cosi thompson for me i honestly came into the season uh, they said you gotta remember they signed cosi during the season um and i came into this year thinking that he was not going to get any minutes so the fact that he actually stepped in and played right back to at the start of the year uh, played a number of different positions. I'm actually going to give him an A minus because he exceeded my expectations. Oh my god! In terms... I would not. I would be nowhere close to that high on the on the. Yeah, I, I know, but he he exceeded my expectations in terms of what I thought we were going to see out of Kosi Thompson. Um, so he got a lot more minutes and did a lot more than I thought we were going to get, which, to be honest, was was nothing. So mm. in terms of the player grade that I'm giving him, it's based off that. So I'm going to give him an A minus, and then Luca Petrasso for me, uh, A minus as well. Same thing as Kosi. I did I did not expect Luca to be that good, and I think he's one of the pieces that we can definitively say here is going to be a long term piece with Toronto FC, and he is a good, uh, excellent backup left back uh, behind Crescito, in my opinion. He's a very that's very good uh, mm-hmm. depth you got there in Luca Petrasso. So A minus for for Luca. Okay, perfect. Bring us Those. home, Mikey. Mike Newell, yeah. let's go. Yeah, so my three words to describe the defenders, I would probably go with bad transition defending. Um, <laughs> these guys got burned a lot in <laughs> transition. I know transition is not just on the defenders, um, but when you got defender in your title, you're going to get a little bit of stick uh, when those things don't go well. So for Caden Chung, I initially put him down as an inconclusive Um and again, you guys mentioned lack of minutes. Um, I am going to lean towards a C. Okay. I mean, I think to to a lot of what Michael said, like uh, 
I was surprised he got a trial. Um, I was surprised he got through his trial. He looked great in preseason. I thought he was a serviceable piece when he got minutes in the beginning of the year. Um, was surprised that Kosi beat him out for the role. So clearly something in training went down that we don't know about. Sure thing. Um, he was also injured. Then he was also injured. That's true. But you would think that he would be able to get that spot back. But that might echo some of the comments you might have said about Daniil Henry in terms of Caden Chung just not being able to step in and win his spot back. Mm-hmm. But even in TFC2 didn't see a ton of minutes either, um, which is a little concerning. Um, but I will still say a C, and I think he's back with the team next season as well. Um, as I think, again, he can be a serviceable piece on the team. You know, not going to start every game. He's going to be one of those rotation players or sporadic players that will get minutes here and there when you need somebody to fill in. Uh, Lucas McNaughton, again, not going as high as an A, um, but I will go, uh, I'll go with a solid B. You know, cool. I, I think I think as a player, we learned a lot about Lucas McNaughton at this level. Um, we learned that he sometimes has really hard time judging the flight of a ball coming in as he struggled with on Sunday. Um, you know, he will get beat um, by, by craftier players who can sort of use his positioning against them. But um, I also thought you saw a player that when TFC are playing at their best in front of him, he is solid and will will win aerial duels, which you need someone to do that and can put in a solid tackle when you need it um, and, and could put out fires. But again, if he's one of those players that if you ask him to have to run towards a goal instead of keeping everything in front of him, then things get a little bit difficult, but that is true of a lot of the center backs. Mm-hmm. Um, so a B for Lucas McNaughton. Rich, Richie Larea, I, I, I'm giving a B plus. Um, again, same reasons as Michael. Great start, tailed off at the end. Um, let's see how he is when he gets a full off season. Um, comes back from the national team from the World Cup. And goes uh, right and, to Nottingham Forest. You know, <laughs> or goes in the training, and then we'll see what happens yeah. in the spring, summertime, right, in terms of his contract. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Chris Mavinga, C-. minus, um, And the C- minus is partly because there are personal reasons, maybe behind some of his play. Um, but I don't think it's enough to keep him around. Um, especially at the money that he probably is going to ask for in a new contract. 100%. Um, and I think it, it, it might be time to move on um, from Chris Mavinga. So uh, that that's my grade for him. A Shane O'Neill, uh, I'm actually giving him a, a B plus. Uh, I thought he was really great at the start of the season. Again, stepping into a role he probably did not expect to be in. Right. I think when he signed the deal, it's like, hey, you're going to be a you know rotational player that will give yep. us minutes probably when Salcedo needs a blow um, and things like that. And then had to step in and be the starting center back for this team. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for the first half of the season, a lot of ways defensively probably made some score lines a little less embarrassing than they could have been. Fair. Uh, and, and for that, he gets to be, I think, the concussion set him back. Um, and then obviously the emergence of McNaughton getting minutes also sort of contributed to uh, his lacking in minutes. But uh, I think he was a solid B, a BB plus. Crescito, A plus. Um, I will put my hand up and was completely wrong about this. 
Um, worried about his age, worried about whether or not he really should be playing a left back. Thought he might be a left-footed center back more often than not. Completely blew my expectations out of the water um, and and was fantastic. So from that perspective, I thought he was great. Uh, Daniil Henry. Uh, my Canadian homerism is probably the only reason he's not getting an F here. I think it's a D. Um, and, and I think it's just simply down to the fact that hasn't played a lot, um, hasn't played a lot of minutes anywhere really in the last little bit. And mm-hmm. you can just see it. You just can see it yep. in his play. Uh, he's not as sharp as, as you'd hope. Uh, so that that's a D Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy. Uh, I'm giving a C and it's partly because he's starting to play a, a, out of position. Uh, played well up until he got injured and then didn't really bounce back from that. And yeah. that's where it would have been higher. I think had he been able to play consistently, but uh, a C's where he's at, honestly, I don't think I want to see him at right back again. Um, so go get a right back TFC or keep it, keep Richie Larea where he is and, and leave it at that. Kosi Thompson gets a B for me. Um, and, and I think he's a lot better than a lot of people want to give him credit for i think a lot of people put a lot of the early season issues on him and that's not fair i don't think um i don't think as as mike said i think a lot of these players were young players were not put in positions to succeed and because of that um you saw a lot of their their frailties more than their strengths but i thought he did well adapting and learning a new position and i actually think he could turn out to be a really good right back given time um, so we'll see how that works out for him. Um, and then Luca Petrasso, again, I'm also going to give him a B, um, was probably the best young player of the, uh, of the first half of the season. Um, probably. is probably or, the best young player. Best young player, not named Jaden Nelson. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually Jaden Nelson at the top of the season was a. Tr- yeah. Yeah. I, I still will put probably so, yeah. Petrasso above that for the first mm-hmm. part of the season. I would agree. Naturally it was going to lose his position. We all know he was going to lose his position. Um, once Chris Chito and Insigne got here. Um, but I thought he did really well. Um, and and I think that, again, he's going to be a serviceable player for this club going forward. Um, so that's where we're at with our grades. That's where we're at. Guys, I got to split again before my director comes in and, and ruins my, my beautiful background there. Uh, but we will see you next week. And uh, once again, vote at WTR. All right, Jeff. We'll All right. See you next Cheers, week, guys. Sorry, sorry to duck out early, but you know no. how it is. All good. All good. Um, Just to wrap up the show here, I'm going to go through some of your grades that you uh, out there in TFC, hashtag TFC live land gave Uh, Mike. I'd love some reactions because some of these are hot, hot grades. Um, But uh, And some are are pretty consistent. I think, look, I I think if I look at say Zach Diaz here, um, he gave Bono a D minus Westberg, a C minus Rajik Singh is inconclusive um see if there's anything that was super hot here i mean i think we were both similar and cozy in terms of being a higher grade than a lot of people out there were giving them the average i'm finding out there is a, a c to a d in terms of yeah. grade. if i could chime in on that like the way that i'm grading cozy is just based on what my expectations of him are now if we are grading him as an mls quality player I would probably be in line with like a C minus D plus area. But if we're grading him based on what his expectations were coming into this season, for me, it's a, 
A minus B plus area. Fair enough. And and I'm kind of the same, but I also actually thought he played well in a lot of games, right? Like in terms of what he was probably asked to do. Uh, yes, his crossing leaves something to be desired. Yes, I think some of his ball corrections, progressions, I should say, sorry, um, leave something to be desired. But I think that's all stuff that can be worked on. And I still think he, look, he's 19. Like he's got a lot of time uh, to grow into, into that position. Um, Richard Martins here has Bono at a D, Westberg at a D plus. Um, he agreed with us and put McNaughton at a B plus, um, which is interesting. Not a lot of people did that. Um, had Crescito at an A minus, um, you know, had Petrasso at a B minus. Um, some interesting stuff there. Um, you know, if we go and look at somebody like, uh, like my buddy Jazz, um, you know, he had Bono at an E. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, oof, that's tough. Um, but I kind of get it. I think that's more out of frustration than actual grade. Um, you know, you're looking at McNaughton at a C, uh, Crescito at a B, O'Neill at a C. Again, that I think was, um, again, that's more out of maybe recency bias there a bit as he hasn't played yeah. as many minutes as he had at the beginning of the season. I think if we were doing this, midway that grade the average grade for O'Neill would be higher um and I'll, I'll wrap up in terms of uh those who sent in grades with this from uh, anonymous soccer analyst um uh, i think a mutual friend of ours um that's a bono with a c plus westberg c plus um both ranjit singh and chung are inconclusive mcnaughton at a b plus lorea at a b mavinga a d um Unfortunately, I think a lot of people are in that same range with Mavinga as well. Um, some inconclusive stuff with Henry and JMR, um, which a few people did for Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy, put inconclusive. And I, I wonder how you feel about that. I think that speaks to the fact that he didn't get enough minutes this year. Um, not necessarily that he didn't earn enough minutes. I think it's just that he didn't get enough minutes, uh, especially when Richie came in uh, during the year. And the first half of the year, he was obviously injured for a lot of it. So... Yeah, I think that's that speaks to that. And would you sort of taking off your journalist hat for a second and putting on the fan hat really quickly? Mm-hmm. You are you frustrated at the fact that JMR didn't get as many minutes as maybe one would have hoped? I am, I am. Um, I think there's one kid that we've heard about and, and spoken about, and even see a lot of the qualities about. It's Shaquille Marshall Ruddy. And uh, listen, the interest overseas is very much legitimate. I can tell you both Liverpool and Club Bruges have both seriously made inquiries about Jaquille Marshall Ruddy. Um, do they believe he's ready to jump into their first team yet? No, they don't. But they do believe that there is something there and something to be untapped. And the fact that he, in my eyes, he took a step back this year, I think that speaks volumes to the way that he was handled by Toronto FC and also the way that he handled the adversity, as I mentioned before. So yeah, frustrating for sure, because there's so much talk about the young players and how much opportunity that they're getting. And their most, in my opinion, their most important young player didn't get the same opportunities. Right. And, and I have a concern about how Toronto FC graduate young players from TFC two to the first team. I, I think there's a disconnect there. I don't know what it is specifically, but there's a disconnect. 
are you concerned a little bit about how young players integrate into this team? Um, because I don't see, I don't see young players a lot in this club that get to the first team put in, into real positions to succeed in a lot of ways. And I wonder if that is a systemic thing within the club. Historically, I'd agree with you. Um, the issue with that is that it's a new Toronto FC starting this year, right? We've never seen this before. We've never seen Bob Bradley at the helm. So I can't give you a definitive answer to this era of Toronto FC. Historically, 100%. There's never been a TFC2 player off the top of my head that has broken through and stayed with the first team for and made an impact on the first team. So maybe they're being pushed through too early. Maybe they're not being given the right opportunity when they get up here. Maybe they're not being put in the best positions to, to succeed, or maybe they're just not good enough. I don't know whatever the issue is. Um, there's other clubs in Major League Soccer that are making it happen on a consistent basis. And I think with the amount of talent that Toronto FC have within their own backyard, um, I think they should be doing stuff like that a lot more frequently. And I think I hope that this was the start of them trying to unlock and untap that potential. And like, like we said, if there's two, three, four guys who end up sticking around and being MLS depth pieces, to me, that's a success uh, for this team. Absolutely. And, and that, and at and the end of the day, that is the kind of stuff that kind of saves your salary cap and allows you to make moves yeah, exactly. to get those veterans that we talked about. Right. If you can't produce those players internally, then it gets really dicey with your cap. And you're always in that position where you're always kind of strapped and trying to make sort of little band-aid solutions here and there instead of really going out and getting players that are going to put you over the top. Um, guys, I hope you really enjoyed uh, the grading there. We're going to continue doing this um, as we go along here in the next couple of weeks, um, going through our midfielders um, and uh, the attackers as well. So thank you to listening listening for another episode. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll be back at our regular time, Monday at 3 p.m. We'll continue our grading of the TFC squad, as mentioned. We're also going to go into a little bit of CPL talk, I think, uh, recapping the first weekend of the CPL playoff action that happens this coming weekend. Um, a specific host, Atletico Ottawa and Cavalry ha- host Forge FC. Um, in the first legs of uh, all of their semifinals. Uh, And finally, we're continuing sort of on our review campaign for the pod. So please give us a like and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, That would be amazing and a great help to us. Um, On behalf of Jeff... Oh, sorry, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, before we roll. Just one thing. End of year media availability is tomorrow for Toronto FC. So So keep an eye out. We'll have a lot more content to get through as this season goes along. And we'll get some some good quotes and some good answers and directions from people who are making important decisions for this club. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Should be a very eventful week for Toronto FC. Absolutely. And we'll definitely cover that as well. in the next pod and what comes out of uh, those end of year sessions, because they usually tend to uh, give us some uh, things to talk about uh, heading into uh, the MLS off season and the, and the silly season that it can be. Um, so on behalf of Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. Uh, thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. And wait, and wait.
and baby, I'm TFC Chalanja.